Hi, and welcome back to Thin Places, our podcast experiment from Zion Episcopal Church in Douglaston, Queens. I'm Mother Lindsay Lunham. And I'm Carl Adair, a seminarian and intern at Zion. Over the last seven episodes of Thin Places, we've heard about all kinds of different places where God is showing up for people in the Zion community. For some of us, it's a physical place, on the couch before the kids wake up, in the craft room, on a walk in nature, in our labyrinth. For others, God has been showing up in action, maintaining the Zion churchyard, or working with neighbors in the work of justice, or sharing food with those who need it. And we've heard that sometimes, when we let go of our expectations and look for Christ in the face of the other, a thin place opens up between us. That's what we hope this podcast has been for you. A space in between these stories and your story. A sacred space in between our lives as we muddle through this very challenging year. We know that there are so many other thin places out there, Stories we haven't heard yet, but we're going to step away from this project and come back to it with fresh eyes and ears and hearts in the new year. We're gearing up for Advent and a cautious approach to gathering safely in the sanctuary. So this will be our final episode of this season, and it will be a little different than our previous episodes. Mother Lindsay and I are going to spend a few minutes reflecting on the thin places that God has opened up for us as a community over the past seven months, and how we feel drawn to carry forward what we're learning as we enter another new season in the life of our parish. Have there been aspects of this project that have surprised you? things that have emerged that you didn't expect? I think the level of bravery and vulnerability and depth of the people of Zion, both the people we interviewed, but also the people who've listened and responded has, I don't know if it surprised me because I I hoped and sensed it was there, but I got a glimpse of it in in a new way. We don't have these kinds of conversations around the coffee pot during coffee hour, and yet we're having them now. It's a deeper, deeper level of, of our relationship. Yeah, I mean, I would say like doing these interviews, um, there's something in, in the space between us, and to use the, the, the phrase that Mary Beth used in her episode, where you know, I feel myself like sort of leaning towards the other person and they lean towards me and we both end up kind of going to a place that we didn't know we were going to arrive at. Yeah, that tremendous vulnerability of like describing an experience and then realizing some new dimension of it in the telling of the story Um and I think that that's something that's somehow captured in in the podcast itself. And when people hear it, they kind of lean into that space as well. Right. Or that someone will listen to an episode and then think of their own thin place. And then that became a subsequent episode. 
Yeah, right? it built it, on each other. It built right. on itself. We didn't have eight thin places in mind and a season planned out. We had the first one at home. And from the first episode of Finding God at Home, the rest emerged because of that. And I, I, so I love that each of these episodes is a generator for not just another episode, but another conversation. You know, there's something about that process that, you know, that word, like it emerged or it generated something else. I mean, I will say, speaking for myself, um, in all of the anxiety and uncertainty of the last seven months, you know, one of the places that I go when I'm nervous is that I want to make a plan that I see the end point. I'm like, okay, I, I want to get there as fast as possible. So what are the steps that I need to kind of reverse engineer to get there efficiently and with every step that I perfectly understand? And, you know, I, because the world has been changing so quickly around us, all of my plans have been frustrated. Uh, and that's okay. And this podcast, this project reminds me that that's okay. Because I don't think that God really works like that. I think that God works through this process of things emerging. Uh, things growing at a pace that I don't, I don't get. But I just, you know, if I am attending, attending to the, the spaces where, where new things are being generated, it leads to this kind of chain reaction where three steps down the road, I'm in a place, I'm now I'm at La Jornada with Alexis. It makes me think of um, actually a book I read at the beginning of the pandemic by a Lutheran pastor and a friend of mine. I went to seminary with her, Emily Scott, and she, in her book, uh, For All Who Hunger, and she's a church planner, and she wrote that abundance is discovering God's provision right in the middle of your fret and worry. So that's abundance is discovering God's provision right in the middle of your fret and worry. And I think that's one of the many gifts we've discovered is that there is abundance here, even though we see food insecurity and sickness and death and economic hardship and frustration. We're also seeing the gifts in one another. We are having real conversations. We're getting to the heart of things. Our values are being claimed and lived out in a way that we just had a lot of excuses to put off when things were normal. So let me ask, um, you know, as we've as we heard in so many of these different episodes, a thin place can nourish us, empower us, console us, and, you know, an experience of a thin place can also change us. So I'm curious, you know, how is this time of pandemic changing your sense of what the church is called to be? I think we have discovered our role in this neighborhood in a really real and significant way. In the last seven months, we recognized early on that there were really long lines 
for food at, at food pantries and people were having a hard time going to the grocery store and people were starting to grow their own food and just recognizing that Zion had something it could do. Zion had something it could give and in a real way. And that was resources. And we all felt moved to, to respond right away. We wanted to participate in what God was doing to heal the world. We have been raising money and giving it to very local organizations. Um, and one that's been really exciting to me has been Common Point Queens, which is just, you know, half mile away in Little Neck. And that relationship that started with us giving them a grant um, has turned into some really real relationships where we've had volunteers work in their food pantries. They've consulted with us about a community garden. Um, I asked them some questions about um, resources for seniors when I needed some resources for some parishioners. They did a voting drive and they had some questions for us about that. But we just started having a real synergistic relationship with them. And it wasn't just them as a recipient of a grant, but that, hey, we're neighbors and we care about a lot of the same things. Let's work together. Our whole neighborhood has been looking to us for how to help. And that's been such a gift that I'll find people just in the neighborhood. I'm when I'm out walking my dog or swimming in the bay, people will ask me, how can I help support a food, local food pantry? Are you still taking coats? Um, are you accepting canned goods for the little food pantries by the train station? Um, we started a diaper bank, you know, and people, not just Zion parishioners, but people in the neighborhood are looking to us for responding, how to respond to our neighbors in need and realizing that that's a real opportunity. That's also something I hope we, we continue to do into the future, that we can partner with local organizations, respond to what's happening locally, and, and actually feed, maybe literally often feed our neighbors. So I feel like we're, more, we're, we're living more deeply in our neighborhood, even though we've been here for 180 some years. I feel like we live in Douglaston in a much more real and rooted way than we ever have. And, you know, it's it's wild to think, we were talking earlier about how things kind of emerge. One kind of thing leads to another. You know, this relationship with La Jornada in some ways goes back to Alexis's decision to just go on a walking tour of Flushing because she just wanted to learn more about her neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. And the seeds were planted from our peanut butter and Jesus ministry that started about three years ago that we made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for people who live around Penn Station. And it grew into coats and, and toiletries. And it had to end because of the pandemic. But what I think we all discovered is this parish, this community has a heart for people in need, and, and especially with feeding. And so that's where our ministries and our support of the food pantries at La Jornada and Common Point Queens have, have, have borne fruit. 
or the support of the little food pantries at the Douglason train station, that these are extensions of peanut butter and Jesus, that they grew from that, and that God wastes nothing. God uses all of these ministries to teach us or prepare us for the next thing God has in store. It all grew from years of tending and watering these seeds, and they keep growing and evolving in ways that we could never plan or predict. And and that's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Amen. You know, it's about this discipline of attending to what is happening, who's around me, and how is God working in this situation, and how is God drawing me into that that work um, to help realize God's dream for us here and in the in the age to come. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the gifts of also um, having Zoom worship, <laughs> or Zoom being our primary uh, medium for, for worship, is that we were worshiping in our homes. I think all of a sudden turned these rooms into extensions of our parish and made them holy spaces. I, I didn't typically think of my dining room as being sacred space. But here I am, seven months later, <laughs> worshiping God and leading worship and preaching and praying and having sacred conversations at my dining room table. It suddenly is mm. real and sacred. And I think that's been a gift for all of us is that we've come to see that God isn't just at the altar at Zion Church or the altar of, of any parish although God certainly is, and it's a very special place, but that God shows up in our backyards and in the car and in the laundromat, and that those places where God shows up and is with us become sacred. Suddenly the everyday lives, there's a way to tap into that, and we don't have to wait for Sunday morning to be holy. We don't have to wait for Sunday morning to be prayerful or to worship. We can do it anywhere. So um, yeah, it's really cracking open, I think, where we can pray. Mm-hmm. Not just how we can pray, but where. One of the things that I have found really moving about uh, about worshiping on Zoom is that, to me, it feels, it feels more participatory than what I remember our liturgy to have been. You know, I love it not only that I get to see somebody, somebody's living room, but that somebody does a reading from their living room or leads the prayers of the people from their back deck. In all these spaces, we have everything we need to offer our gifts and our talents and our time to one another um, in, in this work of the people. Liturgy means the work of the people. And that's something that I find really exciting, you know, thinking about the next phases and the next stages of our continued uh, adaptations in in worship is how do we keep this kind of participatory spirit alive? I've been very intentional about worshiping in my dining room. even though I live next door to the church. And even in March, I could have very easily 
led our Sunday morning worship from the church. But I just felt it was so important to claim a sacred space in my home. And I also wanted to empower and inspire others to really see their homes as sacred. And if I was in the church, I I didn't want people to see, okay, well, at least Mother Lindsay's in our sacred space for us. So that's something that I'll, I'll miss. But I think there's some things we can bring with us when we move into the next phase of our life together and our life in person together. And, and like you said earlier, Carl, that participation in liturgy is one of those things I, I hope we keep that, that interactive nature of things and the creativity is something I've, I'd like to bring with us. Yeah, I mean, one thing about worship on Zoom is that it's, it could be really fun. I think we have a lot of fun worshiping together. Well, and another thing I hope that we we keep as we move into the next phase of life together, whatever that looks like, is that um, our ministries really feed our real lives, that we don't lose that sake, uh, that sense of God is with us seven days a week. In the next few weeks following strict public health guidelines, we will begin to gather again for short services in the sanctuary at Zion. Uh, In the midst of what we're learning about God and God's dream for us outside the church building, what does the sanctuary mean now? I don't know anymore. I mean, I'm seeing it more as a container than I did before. I think I used to see that sanctuary as the place or the center. And now it's shifting, at least in my awareness, as it's a container. It is a center and that it's where we meet over and over again. And it's made holy because of that, just like our dining room tables are. But I think I feel more committed to really tapping into what's real there and what's meaningful and maybe even what's mysterious there. Mm. I mean, there is comfort in, in the familiarity and I do love our book of common prayer and the, the comfort and the familiarity it brings, but I hope that we're able to see that as more of a skeleton (laughs) than the full embodiment of our worship that it provides us a structure, but we're going to be the meat and the muscle and the sinews and the skin of, of what we're doing together, of being, being the body of Christ. And I think that this time of pandemic has, has shown me that the sanctuary is one really reliable thin place, but scripture and our tradition are really clear There's no place we can go and be separated from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. And, you know, again, the sanctuary is a place to celebrate that. Not the place to be on the inside, but a place to recognize that there is no outside. You know, we have been worshiping in person the last couple of months outside in our churchyard, and we have this 
really big, beautiful tree. It's been our sanctuary for, for the last three months. And I will miss worshiping under that tree, but I also feel like maybe that's that's the way to see our sanctuary as as like a tree. It's growing, it's changing. That tree is alive. When we're in the sanctuary, I hope we can keep that sense that this is alive and changing and growing and in seasons. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. I want that too. So, um, at the end of, near the end of most of our episodes here, we often say a prayer together. And maybe, would you, would you talk a little bit about this prayer, Mother Lindsay? Yeah, this is a prayer that's part of the um, celebration of new ministry in the Book of Common Prayer. It's the prayer that the new minister, the rector often, says during the institution. So I, I prayed this prayer. I knelt in the middle of the aisle at Zion, and I prayed these words. And it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful prayers in our prayer book that we don't actually get to say that often, only when we install, install new ministers. And I would like to pray it together because in some ways I feel like Zion, um, together we are reinstituting, <laughs> being reinstituted or reinstalled in a new form. So the, the I'm going to change the pronouns. It's meant to be said by the minister, but I want to say it as if we are saying it all together. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we are not worthy to have you come under our roof, yet you have called us to stand in your house. O Lord, our God, we are not worthy to have you come under our roof, yet you have called your servants to stand in your house and to serve at your altar. To you and to your service, we devote ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. Fill our memories with the record of your mighty works. Enlighten our understanding with the light of your Holy Spirit. Enlighten our understanding with the light of your Holy Spirit. And may all the desires of our hearts and will center in what you would have us do. Make us an instrument of your salvation for the people entrusted to our care and grant that we may faithfully administer your holy sacraments. And by our life and teaching, set forth your true and living word. Be always with us in carrying out the duties of our ministries. In prayer, quicken our devotion. In praises, heighten our love and gratitude. In preaching, Give us readiness of thought and expression and grant that by the clearness and brightness of your holy word, all the world may be drawn into your blessed kingdom. All this we ask for the sake of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for taking this time, Mother Lindsay. This was fun, Carl. As we do every episode, we want to end by thanking the people who have shared their gifts and talents to make this podcast experiment possible. The music for Thin Places was composed by Nick Marcella. We got production help from DJ Kashmir and Meg Kramer. And this project was generously supported by a grant from the Episcopal Evangelism Society. Thanks so much to everyone who has bravely shared their wisdom and their stories in these episodes, and to all who have listened. As we keep discerning together and growing deeper in faith, keep your eyes and ears and heart open for the unexpected ways that God is speaking into your life and working to heal this world. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Stay safe, everybody.